Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. God Almighty has bound up belief in His own existence with belief in His messengers. The reason for this is that man is invested with the capacity of believing in the unity of God a stone is invested with the capacity of flaring up and a messenger is like the flint which elicits the spark from the stone by striking it. It is, therefore, not possible that without the flint, that is to say without a divine messenger, the spark of the unity of God may be ignited in a human heart. It is only a divine messenger who brings down Tawheed, belief in the unity of God, upon the earth and it is achieved only through Him. God is hidden and displays His countenance only through a messenger. The Promised Messiah, peace be on Him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, When the blessings of Allah are near at hand, He provides the prerequisites for the acceptance of prayer. The heart is stirred, warms up, and begins to glow. When, however, the moment is not opportune for the acceptance of prayer, the heart lacks that tranquility which results in turning towards God. However much one exerts oneself, the heart does not respond by exhibiting willingness. It is so because at times God exerts His decree so that His will be done, and at other times He concedes to the prayer of His servants. That is why as long as I do not perceive the signs of God's willingness, I do not entertain much hope for the acceptance of prayer. At such times, I submit to the will of my Lord with greater pleasure than that which I derive from the acceptance of prayer. Indeed, I know that the blessings and fruits of this submission to the will of God are greater by far. Selections from the Writings of the Promised Messiah Upon Whom Be Peace the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. Every light that is seen, be it high or low, whether it belongs to souls or pertains to bodies, or be it substantive or attributive, whether hidden or evident, be it subjective or objective, it is a mere bounty of His grace. This is a sign which indicates that the bounties of Allah encompass everything. He is the source of all grace and is the ultimate cause of every light, the fountainhead of all mercies. His being is the support of the universe and is the refuge of all, high and low. He it is who brought everything out of the darkness of nothingness and bestowed upon everything the mantle of being. No being other than He exists by itself or is eternal. All other beings are recipients of His grace earth and heaven, man and beast, stones and trees, souls and bodies, all are sustained by His grace. Allah, 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 Allah,
listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Today is Wednesday the 14th of December 2022 uh with uh, uh you know uh, on the breakfast show this is the breakfast show on the voice of Islam uh radio welcome to another show today we're going to be uh, talking about uh, some very very interesting topics if you're familiar with the setup of the breakfast show uh, firstly we go through the uh, f- first we go through the news what's happening uh, around uh, around the world uh, over here in the UK and of course around the world as well and uh, you know sort of uh, mainstream uh, stories also we'll touch upon them as well in just a bit after the news segment um we will go into our our main segments today the first topic that we're going to be speaking about is how was the universe made are scientists uh, right or are they wrong um so it's it's an interesting one it's an interesting one so we uh, are going to be uh, talking a little bit more uh, about that i mean of course there's only so much that we can actually that we can actually talk about uh, you know on such a on such a <laughs> It's just a two-hour show, and uh, you know we we can't sort of can't go into too much detail. Uh, my me myself, I'm not a doctor or I'm not a scientist as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, talking about the technicalities of uh, this particular topic is not going to be my uh, sort of um, you know my cup of tea. But still, I mean, nevertheless, we can still talk about to touch touch upon the topic as well. Just give you some uh, some food for thought. And then, uh, of course, you can do your own research as well. You can think for yourself as well. How was the universe created? How was it made? And are scientists right or wrong about their theories about what you know their, their, what they think happened or how they think the universe came into existence as well? Um, the second topic that we're going to be that we're going to be talking about is why do companies get involved in social issues? That's also quite uh, quite interesting as well, um, and also why why social media why why you know social issues <coughs> are so much are so prevalent, uh, you know not just in social media but in but even in personal you know one to one gatherings, head to head gatherings as well, and why do companies get involved in these issues as well? Why do they get involved in, in social issues? I mean, there's different things that we can, uh, you know, that we can actually touch upon in regards to in regards to this as well. But why is it important? Why is it so important to keep to keep, not just keep as well? I mean, before keeping something to establish peace and establish societal uh, peace as well. So all these things are, you know, are very very much important, and that's something that we're going to be speaking about. These two topics are something that we're going to be speaking about as well. Uh, how much influence um, social media, especially, has on uh, you know on on societal peace as well, on mental on mental breakdowns, on how people can actually um, you know people can be quite affected mentally uh, as well as uh, you know as well as other things as well that can be an out that can be an outcome. Because of these, uh, because of these issues as well. So it is. There are some interesting topics that we're going to be speaking about. Of course, it is an interactive show. If you want to uh, get in, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can call us uh, on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, 
and uh, you know we would love to hear your comments and your feedback uh, uh, as well of course if you have any questions in regards to this or anything that you would like to uh, input into our show for our listeners for our wider audience um, then of course you can call in as I mentioned that the number is 0 to 7878 uh, we're going to be taking a very short break and right after that we are also of course you know going uh, going to go into our new segment topic uh, talking about our talking about uh, you know the cur- uh, the current and the prevalent uh, headlines and the news what's happening around the world as well don't go anywhere we'll be back just after a short break you're listening to voice of islam online on mobile and on dab so is the ahmadiyya khilafat a dictatorship the simple answer is no it is not a dictatorship this question can be raised by two types of people you've got one who are religious and those who are irreligious if it's the religious people who are raising this question then this question or this allegation simply backfires to any other prophet who ever existed and any of their successors because our system of khilafat is no different to the divine leadership that they followed when irreligious people ask this question then it should be understood and it should be explained that when we talk about organized religion unfortunately there is this impression around the world that in an organized religion you don't have the freedom to do what you want you have to follow certain rules and regulations and um you're you're bound by a lot of uh, laws and when a leader comes into the equation it becomes even more you know uh, something to worry about so to such irreligious people it should be made clear that when we accept the khalifa we do so willingly when we perform the pledge of obedience to the khalifatul masih we're not only pledging our obedience to khalifatul masih but in fact it's actually pledging our obedience to god almighty and we do so willingly there is no coercion and there cannot be any coercion in that sort of a pledge that you make now another thing that needs to be borne in mind is that a dictator is someone whose say and want and desire it goes without any question no one can challenge it no one questions it and uh, people tend to accept it as it is and the dictator does not allow anyone to give suggestions or proposals but we see the ahmadiyya khilafat to follow the very basic islamic injunction which is to uh, consult them in important matters or the other in quranic verse which uh, says that whose affairs are dealt with through mutual consultation this verse is a description of the believers and we find that hazrat khalifatul masih he consults various administrative bodies when making important decisions to do with the administration of the community or matters to do with faith itself now the holy quran is complete the islamic teachings are complete and perfect they don't require any further addition but the reason we have a khilafat is because the implementation of islamic teachings in every passing day requires some form of interpretation so whether we're talking about the era of social media the era of the internet or the era that we uh, are experiencing nowadays which is a global pandemic we require some form of interpretation and direction in implementation and that we get from the divinely guided leadership of khalifatul masih a dictator tends not to keep a close bond with their followers they don't tend to keep a very close tie with their subjects but the khalifatul masih has a very close and personal relationship with each and every ahmadi muslim around the world the khalifatul masih writes to his followers the khalifatul masih meets with his followers almost on a daily basis 
And this is something which the Khalifa does to ensure that his followers are well and that they're pursuing the highest goals possible in every sphere of life. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The answer is no. It is not a dictatorship. It is far from such a thing. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat is such a leadership which the world is very unfamiliar with because there is no equivalent that can be drawn or parallel that can be drawn to it in the world that we know today. But the Ahmadiyya Khilafat is something that the world is in desperate need of. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu was known for his great governance. He would often patrol the streets at night to ensure nobody was left suffering unduly. On one occasion, he was walking in the dark and he heard some children crying. Attracted by the sound, he went to the tent from which it came. Whenever he got to the tent, he saw a woman sitting before a fire. It appeared the woman was cooking something while her small children sat crying nearby. It was late for the children to have their meal. Umar, radiallahu stepped up to the woman and inquired, what is in the pot on the fire? She explained that she had no food to give the children and had placed a pot full of water and stones on the fire in order to give them the impression that the food would be ready. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was distressed to hear this. He hurried back to the state store, picked up a bag of flour, meat, cooking oil, and some dates, and rushed back to the tent. His servant begged him to let him carry the load, but he refused, saying, It is my responsibility. You will not carry my burden on the day of judgment. Arriving at the tent, he delivered the provisions to the woman and told her to prepare the meal. In the meantime, the children, so exhausted, had fallen asleep. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, waited until the meal was fully prepared and the children were awakened and fed. The woman thanked him for his kindness and by way of expressing gratitude said, it would be far better if you were the Khalifa of the Muslims rather than that Umar, who is not aware of the condition of his people. Hazar Umar, radiallahu anhu, said, Well, mother, Umar may not be so bad after all. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, Islam expounds the most excellent doctrine that in the interim period after death, Every soul is vested with a sort of body which is essential for perception of pleasure and torment. We cannot accurately describe as to what substance that body is made of. As far as this mortal body is concerned, however, it ceases to exist. Moreover, it is never observed by anyone that the same corporal body is revived in the grave. On the contrary, this body is often cremated and many a time corpses are also preserved in museums or kept otherwise out of the grave for long periods. If it were the same body which were to be revived, it was very likely that people would have observed this happening. Nonetheless, the revival of the dead is very much evident from the study of the Holy Quran. Hence one is compelled to believe that the dead are revived in such forms as we cannot see. Most likely, that spiritual body is composed of some highly refined constituents of this material body.
The soul having been thus provided with the body, human perceptions are reinstated. Because this new body is far more rarefied and ethereal in nature, a much wider avenue of visions and revelation is laid open to it. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. I call to Allah to witness that the Holy Qur'an is a rare pearl. Its outside is light, and its inside is light, and its above is light, and its below is light. And there is light in every word of it. It is a spiritual garden whose clustered fruits are within easy reach and through which streams flow. Every fruit of good fortune is found in it and every torch is lit from it. Its light has penetrated to my heart and I could not have acquired it by any other means. And Allah is my witness that if there had been no Qur'an, I would have found no delight in life. I find it that its beauty exceeds that of a hundred thousand Josephs. I incline towards it with a great inclination and drink it into my heart. It has nurtured me as an embryo is nurtured, and it has a wonderful effect on my heart. Myself is lost in its beauty. It has been disclosed to me in a vision that the garden of holiness is irrigated by the water of the Holy Qur'an, which is a surging ocean of the water of life. He who drinks from it comes to life. Indeed, he brings others to life. Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace the founder of the Ahmadiyya community in Islam. Thy boundless blessings and peace be upon Mustafa, O Lord. Verily, through him we receive thy light. My soul is eternally bonded to the soul of Muhammad. I made my heart drink deep of the brimful cup of this love. None better than he could I discover in the whole world. Most certainly, I have broken my heart loose from the grip of others. God's glory is reflected in your virtues, my beloved. Him I made my own by having made you mine. Having touched the hem of thy garment, O God, one is saved from being entrapped by the charms of others. Verily, I bow my head at your threshold alone. O my beloved, I swear by thy unity, in my love of thee, I have become oblivious of my own self. By God, all other images have vanished from my heart ever since I had your countenance etched upon it. It was because of you that we became the best of all the peoples. O prophet of God, who is the best of all the prophets, as you marched ahead of all the rest, we too stepped forward. Let alone the human beings, even all the angels in the heavens follow suit and join me as I sing thy praise. An Abi Hurairata radiyallahu anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal Yanziru rabbuna tabaraka wa ta'ala kulla laylatin ila samayid dunya Hina yabqa thulutu al-layl akhir Yaqul Man yad'uni fa astajib lah 
من يسألني فأعطيه من يستغفرني فأغفر له Hazrat Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stated Our Lord the blessed the exalted comes every night down on the nearest heaven to us when the last third of the night remains saying is there anyone to invoke me so that i may respond to invocation is there anyone to ask me so that i may grant him his request is there anyone seeking my forgiveness so that i may forgive him Allahu akbar Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned uh, before the before the break, that uh, uh, this time after the break, that we're going to be speaking about uh, some news was happening uh, here in the UK and uh, around the world as well. Um of course, you know, before we actually get into the news talking about the weather, the weather is absolutely it's, it's absolutely freezing, literally it's literally freezing right now. Um uh, I mean the temperature which uh, um it, it is right now outside is minus minus 2. But minus you know, 2 minus 1. You know when it was snowing. Freezing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it when it was snowing, um, it didn't seem as cold as it does when it's not snowing. But were you outside though? Yeah, no, I was. I was outside for a bit. Right. But it's it's I don't know. It's a bit more chilly when it's not snowing. I don't know. I can't really explain it. Maybe the wind blows off. Blows the wind, off. Yeah, the, the snow blocks the wind. The snow blo- just absorbs maybe blo- it. Maybe it could be. Hmm. And then when you know w- when the wind blows, rebounds hmm. off everything, yeah. and then it touches your face, hmm. then it just cuts oh, yeah, your you hands. Hmm. Yeah, it cuts you up. <laughs> yeah, and just like it gets inside. Proper, you know, crusty hands and arms and face. You need to moisturize your hands, isn't yeah, it? You have to. You, you have, have to. to. Otherwise, you can. You can. Lit- you know, it's not a joke. You mm. can literally get cuts mm. on your hands because I've got. I think I've got a yeah, few cuts as well. Yeah, I've got a few cuts, and normally I don't. But this winter has been a bit, you know, been a bit uh, wintry. A bit, a bit proper wintry. Mm. I mean, I, I remember talking about how you know the seasons are changing. 
sort of, uh, you know, before it used to be November, December, January used to be the sort of winter times. Um, but, uh, but you know, sort of it was sort of shifting to sort of January, February, March. Um, but now I think I don't know. I think I might have to take that back. Yeah. And uh, and you know say that December is still is still part of is still a heavy part of winter because mm. you know if it's minus one minus two, if it's snowing and that you know that snow was actually mm. quite heavy as well. Yeah, for, it was uh, quite considering heavy. like London standards. Because yeah. yeah, I mean yeah, it was yeah, at least us. like two three inches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If not, I think I think more. easily, easily three two inches. inches yeah. But maybe pushing three. three. Yeah. Yeah, pushing three, maybe. Yeah. And it's settled. It's settled. It never settled. Yeah, it settled. just settled. turns into settled. like black sludge. Black sludge and that yeah. that icy sort that of icy sort of thing. Yeah. That slippery slope. You know, it's still a lot of places. It's like quite icy on the floor, and it like mm, yeah, people it are is. slipping and sliding. Yeah. You, you know, I saw. So, I saw. Uh, I, I don't know. I saw some people. Uh, you know. Um, uh, riding their skateboards. Oh, then why? Why are you gonna do that? That's so dangerous. Mm. That's so dangerous. And riding their I'd scooters. Good if they were on a snowboard. But if they were snowboarding, yeah, maybe. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, yeah. uh, um, sleigh. Yeah. Mm. But that's you know only if there's a proper hill, isn't it? Yeah. But still, um, you know, it, it is. It is freezing as well. You know, even even when you, you if you have to drive a car, mm. if you've got a car and you have to you know use your car to get to wherever you need to get to. You need to commute. Mm. It's you know it's it's such a long process to scrape off the ice. Yeah, I think the best thing to do yeah, is definitely. you know get get the hot water in a bag. Not, not, plastic not bag. too hot. Not too hot. Yeah, no, not yeah. boiling. Not yeah, from if you get boiling water, then that will just crack your window. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Mm. But get yeah, that, yeah, put, put it in, in a plastic, bag. The Ziploc plastic, bag. Yeah. yeah. And then you just, just wave, rub it. Yeah, rub yeah. it on your windscreen. That's it like what I did one. today. I did that today. I did that yesterday. And it, it, it works, it works wonders. Yeah. It works wonders. If you don't have access to a plastic bag, you can just get like a water bottle, like just a bit, you know, uh, a bit warmer than room temperature hmm. and just do it all around your windows. Just do it all around the yeah. windows and, it's, and it should be fine as well. Um, and but you have to be careful. Yeah. You have to be like, careful. You need to, um, especially on your windscreen, hmm. you need to turn the wipers on. Otherwise it freezes straight away. You need sometimes. to... You, you also need to turn the car on as the well. The car on with the demister with the, on. With the demister on as well. Yeah, you need if you because if you if you just do it if you just come onto your car mm. and just start doing it, it it's going to freeze. It's it going to freeze yeah. and it's 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 going to be a bit pointless as well. Mm. So you have to turn the car on, put the demister on off the windscreen, and um, and you you need to do that as well. Mm. But make sure that if you if your wipers are on. Yeah. Make sure it doesn't cut the bag as well. Yeah. It doesn't rip the bag. So No no, I mean I mean, you know, once you put the water on or you obviously have a few seconds and then you turn mm. the wiper on to get rid of the water yeah. the excess water on the windshield. Yeah. Otherwise that's gonna freeze in place. That's gonna freeze in place as well. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, some uh, I mean most saloon cars mm. they don't have a back wiper as well. Mm. So you gotta you know, you can't just get, you know, you know, those those little scrapes. Uh, those long sort of wiper scrapes, you can just do it manually. Hmm. You just do it, wipe your car with the with the water, and then manually just shift the water. Does your car off. not have a back wiper? No, I've got a saloon, isn't it? Hmm. Saloons don't normally have it. Some saloons do have it, hmm. like the Vauxhall, Vauxhall, Vauxhall Astra, I think it is. Uh, no, the, the big one, the, the 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 saloon one. I forgot what it's called. What if it's raining? Yeah, I mean, I then you the just way. Can't see. No, no, you can see. I mean, the way it's made is that the water just always just goes down. Okay. Yeah, okay. but in hatchbacks, mm. they obviously have that because the the the, the windscreen, uh, the back window is mm. like that, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's 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 more straight. 
So, uh, mm. yeah, I mean... The, but you know if it's pouring down, is it yeah. not a bit of a struggle sometimes? Uh, I mean, it's not a struggle. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to see, mm. but it's not as if you can't see. Mm. You can you can still see. You can still you still know what's happening. But obviously when it's raining, mm. you know, it's difficult to drive in the yeah, rain anyway. For, for me especially, I don't know. I don't like driving in the rain mm. anyway. Um, but yeah, that's what the weather is these days as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you just look at what the forecast is saying and the highest temperature is one or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. And you know, uh, a lot of people are under the weather as well. I, my, I myself am feeling it as well. <laughs> Same. Along. Same. You're, you're a bit under the weather You can well. probably hear it from my yeah. voice as well. That it's not as if I've just woken up. I've woken mm. up at least more than yeah. an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, supposed to get to the yeah. studio as well. But mm. like, it's just, it's just. Uh, the, I mean, my voice will be like this the whole day, not mm. just like this time, but the whole day as well. But you know what's interesting is that the the forecast for this, uh, for this weekend mm. um, is actually quite the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's going up. The temperature is going up. Hmm. Uh, I mean, the forecast is saying that it's going to go up to uh, so eight degrees. Eight degrees. Uh, yeah, eight degrees. Um, I don't. I, I'll be honest. I don't really trust the forecast. In this yeah, country. same. That's true. Uh, that's like, that's it's absolutely so unpredictable. Like even on the day, even yeah. on the day, if you're saying something's going to happen, mm. like yeah, whatever, we'll see. We'll see about it. Because yeah. you never know. I mean, especially here in the you living here in the, mm. in the UK and in London. Mm. You cannot predict. You cannot predict the weather. There is one thing you can predict that it will rain no matter what. Yeah, it doesn't matter how rain. hot it is. Mm. Doesn't matter what the weather is. Mm. Just expect. You know, just just know. Expect cowers. Yeah, mm. <laughs> just expect it. So, but that's the thing. But you know, because of this up and down in the weather, mm. it makes it so easy to get unwell as well and to get under the weather. Yeah, it makes it so easy. Mm. Um, that's why you. you you have to you have to uh cover up you have to but even even prepare for you, it. like yeah even though you you can take precautions and hopefully you know you don't get ill yeah but it, it's a very big chance that you will and then you can't just you know sit back and relax you need to you know take your fluids yeah you need to take medicine you need to take your syrups you need to that's true that's true you need to do what you can to get better get back up on your feet that's true and uh you know it's just how it is isn't it when you once you get once yeah. you get unwell, it's it's mm. it's a difficult. Once, it's a once difficult you've got one like a out. blocked nose, and especially you know in our Asian households, we yeah. tend to you know uh, take steam. Take steam. We, we just yeah. like put it in a pot or something, and then you know get like a blanket, put it on our heads, and then just sit there and just inhale it, and you know it like opens up your your nostrils the and nostril, your, yeah. your breathing system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it does kind of work as well, mm. and it does sort of you know get all the the you know the, the harmful bacteria whatever phlegm you have outside mm. um it is it, it, i mean it does work mm. but uh still i mean it's it's just always uh you know not nice when you when you get under the weather yeah. especially at this you know when you, know, when you look especially outside it's so your, cold one anyway. of your nostrils is blocked and then yeah especially at night when you have to you turn the side you turn the, the side and then, the and then it gets mm. yeah it's a bit weird it's as well very annoying. It's, it's, it's very annoying it's very annoying um, it feels like your equilibrium is off point and you're very <laughs> unbalanced. Very scientific way of uh, of putting it there. Hmm. Um something else, I mean that's the I mean that's the weather. I'm sure that everyone, you know, would have their own would have their own take on yeah. the weather as well. You know, there are some people there are some people who, who enjoy 
who enjoy the cold weather hmm. as well. So you know, it's it's not just it's not just yeah uh, because you know, especially in our country, you always find someone who be you know going for a run in their shorts. There's this like yeah. viral video of a guy. Yeah, he's just running in shorts. He's not even wearing a shirt. Mm. And it's snowing, like you know how it was snowing like two days. I ago. mean, uh, sometimes people just do it just for the, just, just for the, yeah, just no, for the no, likes. but he he was like he was like a fit guy as well, so I think he was just he was just enjoying it. Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe you never know, you never know. But uh, obviously, you know, the, I mean, people you do find people at both ends of the mm. spectrum as well. People Definitely. who enjoy the cold, people who enjoy the the hot weather. Um, so you know, mm. I mean. I mean, whatever isn't it? I mean, enjoy, enjoy all the, enjoy all the seasons as mm. well. And that's what you know. That's kind of what they're there for uh, as well. I mean, if if you just had one season throughout yeah. the whole year, that would get quite boring as well. We still have to take precaution, even when it's like too sunny. When you step outside, if yeah, you don't yeah, put sunscreen course, on, of course. If you don't put a sunscreen on, you're gonna get burnt. Like, you're gonna, you're get, gonna get skin burnt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, precautions mm. need to be need and to be all taken. Necessary. They're always people, they're people always who necessary. have hay fever. They should take the hay fever tablets or. You know, have their um, sprays with them when they go out in spring, because you know there's a lot of uh, pollen in there. Otherwise, uh, they'll end up, uh, you know, they'll end up sneezing and they'll end up having like uh, a reaction as well. So in all the seasons, you have to take precautions. Otherwise, um, you know, you you'll just you end up the, the, the way our body functions. Mm. We we're not like. Um, we have to take precautions in every season, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, now, the, uh, talking, you know, moving on from the moving on from the from the weather as well. Uh, there is this breaking news as well, which is uh, which is coming from uh, from Sky News that the the rate of inflation has eased a little bit um, uh, to ten point seven percent from eleven point eleven point one percent. Last month, according to official figures, so that's 0.4 percent hmm. that it's uh, that it's uh, is decreased. Um, the 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 office for national statistics said that falling motor fuel prices led the decline in the core consumer prices, and that's uh, I mean it is uh, true that the the you know the the fuel prices uh, for petrol, diesel, especially petrol as well, hmm. um, has actually decreased uh, slightly as well. I think uh, today I saw. In one petrol station, one five, one five six, one five six, one five seven, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I think a month ago it was uh, one sixty, one sixty one. So yeah, I, I mean, it has fuel, fuel prices have dropped uh, a little bit as well, mm. and it, it reflected uh, falling oil prices as I mentioned, and slightly and slight uh, recovery in the value of the pound versus the dollar mm. on which oil costs uh, are actually pegged. Mm. Overall f- uh, fuel prices rose by 17.2% mm. in the year to November, down from 22.2% in the year to October. Mm. That's what the, the, the Office for National Statistics have actually said as well. Mm. And it reported that the largest upwards contribution to the inflation number last month came from rising prices in restaurants, mm. hotels, cafes and pubs, uh, which were you know led by alcoholic drinks as well. So something that wouldn't actually affect us in that way as well but obviously you know hotels cafes uh restaurants uh, as well that, that actually would um the cost of living crisis however shows little signs of easing up in you know in any substantial way uh given that household energy bills are actually running at record levels despite government support amid the first 
cold cold snap of the 2022-23 winter. So that's um, that's still there as well. The cost of living has actually gone up so much. I remember, um, you know, so, you know, someone telling me as well mm. uh, in, in, our, in our office um, that they they turned the heating on for for about five six hours, mm. Mm. and it literally cost them eight pounds. It cost them eight pounds for just five or six mm. hours for the heating. Yeah. Now imagine if you do that every you know every week. And then, uh, like a month as well. That's like mm. nearly three hundred pounds just on heating. Just, just on heating, mm. three hundred pounds on just on heating. And you have to think about three hundred pounds for an, like an average household. It can average make household, yeah, big difference. Exactly, right? three hundred pounds could be like a week or maybe two weeks worth of their grocery shopping. Exactly, mm. and it, you know, so they, they, there are yeah. you know the story like the they're not stories the the actual facts of those people who either have to. Think about heating the house, or you know, feeding their yeah. Their, their it's their a li- it's it's a true thing. It's mm. not just it's not just uh you know what people what people who are mm. a little bit maybe they they need a little bit of help and mm. they're they, you know they're not that they're not yeah. that rich. Mm. It's even the average household mm. is actually having to think about these things as well. Definitely, you know, are we going to turn the heating on? Are we are we actually going to if we do turn it on? How long are we going to mm. turn it on for? Mm. So. Is difficult as well, and sometimes it's a bit unfair for some people because mm. of the way that their houses are made, because of the because of how how old they are, mm. and their windows maybe they don't have double glazed windows, yeah. or the cladding is or, or the cladding is in all that break, as well, yeah. or maybe they're just made from bricks and there's no in, you know insulation, insulation yeah. in between in between the walls as well. Mm. Uh, sometimes you can get uh, sometimes you know the windows can be double glazed as well, mm. but they but they're so old that this kind of don't work anymore. Mm. I mean, if they were put in, you know, a couple of decades ago, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, mm. then maybe they need a change now, isn't it? Because mm. it's not going to be the same. Obviously, if they're new, then, then, then they're going to work. But it's, uh, you know, that's how sometimes people who are living in these kind of houses, mm. and, and the thing is, is that people who are living in council houses mostly can, can actually be affected by this more, yeah. uh, more so <clears throat> as well. Even even if they're renting a house, even if the but the you know the the landlord, if he's a bit of a you know if he doesn't really care mm, about he's not very corporate he's not corporate he's, he, uh, you know. he's just there to to just rent the property yeah. get tenants and yeah. whatever not really there to actually fix the fix the property <clears throat> or actually upgrade the property then that can be that can put those tenants into a very difficult predicament as well yeah definitely. so you know there are all of these factors to actually look into as well. And uh, it's important that we, you know, as as a whole, as as the public, do what we can mm. to help out, you know, our uh, you know our neighbours and our yeah. and the public as well. But obviously, of course, it's the government's responsibility as well mm. to actually go out there mm. and uh, you know actually uh, do their do their bit as well. Yeah. Um, you know, just talking about the government and you know what their roles and responsibilities are as well. You know, it just reminds me about uh, you know His Holiness the Worldwide Head. Of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, uh, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. Mm. He, for I think uh, four or five years now, he has been delivering sermons about the companions, about the companions who fought at the uh, the, the Battle of Badr, at the at the time of the Holy Prophet peace and rest of Allah be upon him. Mm. And just recently, you know, I mean, I say recently, it has gone up. I think about about a year, or a year, more than mm. a year, maybe two years. If I remember correctly, about the about the four rightly guided caliphs, mm. 
after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him as well, and how they ruled, because obviously they were in charge of, of course, the Muslims, hmm. but they were also uh, the head of the state as well, head of yeah. you know their yeah. sort of area as well. Hmm. Um, uh, and the way that they ruled uh, the Muslims, the Jews, the Christians, the other people, the people, the idol worshippers, the people who didn't have any religion as hmm. well, the way that they ruled was so just Mm. And so, you know, giving back to the people, taking care of the people um, themselves and also putting in funds to help each and every single person, a, mm. a blind people, women, children, old age people, um, you know, the way that they helped everyone mm. was such a, you know, such a remarkable way, such an exemplary way for us to actually look up to mm. and, uh, you know, get inspiration from uh, from as well. Yeah. So His Holiness has been, you know, delivering these sermons for, as I mentioned, about five, about about five-ish years, if I remember correctly, um, uh, as well, and mm. uh, you know that sort of uh, that sort of series has actually mm. uh, concluded last uh, last Friday, yeah. last Friday in his uh, in his Friday sermon uh, as well. <coughs> so that was quite uh, quite a remarkable thing which happened mm. uh, as well. And any 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 of our leaders who who you know who 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 are looking to actually look in look into Islam and get more guidance, these. Mm. Uh, Friday sermons were were quite uh, you know quite remarkable in in this sense as well, mm. in terms of how how can how can we govern how can we uh, rule you know properly mm. justly absolute justice as well um, being tolerant being fair not just you know not just side with the Muslims but if you know, if the Muslim was in if the, any Muslim was in fault <coughs> and the other person who was not was non-Muslim if he was in the right. Then you know, doing uh, doing the case justly as well. So mm. all these things were very, very, very much important. Also, um, you know, there just a, another news of uh, of our community that you mm. know there was a, a an article published about um, a prominent figure of our community, Sir Chaudhry Muhammad Zafrullah Khan Sahib, uh, and you know he had a big role to play in uh, Morocco's independence. Uh, so he he came. Um, so a colleague of mine was, uh, you know, reading this article, that uh, you know he came forth, and um, you know there was like a, a minister of uh, Morocco, right. uh, who want you know they wanted independence, but you know mm. they they were just like shut down because you know they were saying they're like a colony of of, of France, right, mm. a, a French colony, but then um, you know in in the United uh, Nations, you know. I'm not sure of the exact details of the of the article, but then uh, uh, Sir Jodhri Khan Sahib, he you know um, opened the embassy there overnight, and then you know he issued him a Pakistani passport, which allowed him to speak. Mm. And uh, because of that Pakistani passport, they were he was allowed to speak in the nations and present his case. Mm. And uh, apparently, even after he he was like you know they got the independence, he was elected. He used he had that passport framed, and he used to show it to people that you know this is. Because of this is why you know this whole thing happened. Mm. So so he he had yeah. a big part to play. Definitely, in Morocco's mm. uh, independence. independence. As well. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I mean, that's quite remarkable. Mm. So where, where was this? Uh, it was it was published by a university. I, I will oh, try right. and you know find the link and then I'll share it's, it with you as yeah, well. Quite quite mm. uh, quite interesting. Quite interesting and, as well. Uh, you know, in other news, uh, you are you aware of the petrol dollar? Petrol dollar. Yeah. What's that? So basically, you know, globally. Yeah. Like all petrol, pretty much that's traded is done through dollars. Dollars, yeah. I mean yeah. the article. I mean about the inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It's paid so, by that. Yeah. yeah, it's paid like that. It's yeah. paid th- with with dollars. But yeah. now Ghana is uh, trying to, you know, they they spend like um, four point something billion dollars every year on petrol. Mm. Um, so they're trying to, you know, now buy petrol with gold because you know African countries they have very rich gold reserves, mm. and. If you think about gold, actually, it's a it's a real thing. It exists, whereas it's a tangible thing. It's, ta- yeah. it's a tangible so, so thing, it's a whereas, thing. Uh, whereas, dollar, whereas dollar money is money is yeah. it's just paper, <laughs> right? Yeah. So if if the petrol dollar, you know, it, it fades out, it dies out, it will be a huge huge hit to the American economy because all of those dollars that like you know circulating around the world mm. because everyone has to use it mm. to buy or sell uh, oil. Um, so all of those dollars would return to America and, you know, it would cause massive inflation and the economy would just just, just essentially die. Mm. So, because that, that, yeah. that money so when, when I saw worthless. this article, you know, in the comments, it was like, um, you know, uh, mm. Ghana's asking for freedom. It's time to, you know, give them some freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that if, well, I mean, what's to say that, mm. you know, if they do, if they do, you know, uh, use their gold, because mm. obviously they do have a lot of gold reserves as well, mm. as well as other, you know, gems yeah. uh, and other, you know, metals as well, which are, mm. which are quite pricely. But what's, well, you know, what about these nations? They can just mm. do, do what they but do. You know, let's they can honest, come in not, and they're, they're come not going in and take to let it. them. Like, um, um, <laughs> how would you mean they're not going to let them? They're not go- if they let them, yeah. If this, you know, it becomes a thing, then yeah. But you know how like, you know these superpowers are very yeah. strong. You know, yeah. they, they're very influ- you know that's, you know, influential. You know, Gaddafi. Well. Gaddafi. Yeah. yeah. So he was a dictator, or whatever. Of course. But yeah, you know, yeah. he what what he actually what his goal was to unite all the you know African nations mm. and come with like one united currency that's backed by gold. Mm. And he got killed. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm not because if th- that that would be the most powerful currency in the world if it was around today. The, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, all. I mean, I'm not gonna say um, mm. anything about him mm. personally. Uh, yeah, on, I'm not. I'm radio. not supporting him. But you know, there, but there, I'm there not are, supporting there him. Are but I'm just things. saying this is, this is just w- what it was. There are some. Th- there are some things. Uh, mm. Some. You know. So, some. Uh, potentially good mm. things yeah. that, that that could have actually come mm. out from from his regime as well, mm. and the, I, I admit that. So yeah. I mean, this is you know, this and is the people one of the that things. were living in the country, you know, they they all said that they were living very good lives. Yeah, they. I mean, they do say that. Yeah. They do say they, that. They do say that. It's just you yes. know, some, sometimes his way of doing things was a bit. Mm. No, he was definitely. You know, he was a dictator. He was a dictator. We're not supporting what he did, but I'm just saying, mm. this is this is the harsh reality. This is a harsh reality. This yeah, is the harsh this is, reality. This is as just well. the case. And uh, you know, whenever there's whenever there's a person who maybe has something a little bit of a different mindset, mm. doesn't go around the way that the West want, mm. uh, then they that's that's what they do, isn't it? They finish it. They finish the guy off. Mm. They finish him off. No, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, there's been like uh, people, you know, must have read these, read these articles as well. Like, you know, there's someone who, you know, like came up with a cure of cancer, yeah, or someone who invented, you know, like hydropowered cars or yeah, whatever. And then there's like they just disappear. There's never yeah. to be heard of again from the face of the earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that's how it is, isn't it? That's yeah. how it is. I mean, it, you know. These superpowers are very mm. strong and very influential. Definitely, that they can. Well, you know, if something goes against their their agenda, mm. then because you know, cancer is can. cancer is such a big 
mm. big money and it's such a big industry all the cancer drugs all the treatments yeah. chemotherapy well, yeah i mean all it, of this it is. is such a huge multi-billion dollar multi i'm not sure about trillion but multi-billion dollar business around the, around the world yeah yeah and if someone was to come up with a cure that's all gone that's all gone i mean mm. pharmaceuticals the whole talking about yeah. the whole pharmaceutical you know industry mm. that's one of the biggest that yeah. and that and weapons mm. these two are the biggest things yeah everyone's got paracetamol in the house mm. you don't even know what's in paracetamol you just take it and you, you just take you, it you just believe that your you know your headache's gone and the, I mean, it's gone yeah. Some, sometimes I mean, it goes I mean, it does I, work it's not I'm a placebo yeah. it's not a placebo effect but yeah. um but you don't know what's inside placebo but mm. the, it's um it's it, it is something that you know that it it makes you wonder isn't it mm. that weapons mm. from america mm. that is you know the biggest the biggest uh, you know the, the biggest um uh, way mm. the biggest revenue how mm. they how they earn their billions of billions of dollars that's why they're not, you know trying to you know uh, um is there in the you know one of the amendments one of their rights yeah to bear arms that's why they don't want to get rid of it uh yeah that's mm. yeah fine but the thing is that to to bear arms mm. but you know at what at what, at what cost, cost? At what like cost? so many children are dying like every other day you hear a new story that you know there's been a school there's shooting, shooting this, this, this many this, kids have that. died but you know if they had proper gun control this wouldn't be happening yeah but uh, you know sometimes uh, it's, it's it's difficult to change I'm not, it's not impossible but mm. it is difficult to change people's uh, mindsets if they've uh, been brought and brought up with such a ideology or such a mindset mm. that you know that you know they need to do this it's their right or it's an infringement of their right to mm. you know take take their arms away even you know some people are getting so you know so sentimental about wearing face masks about you know saying no my face mm. my or my body my rules or whatever you know they that they, 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 they were saying raising protests as well yeah. just because they don't want to wear a mask during covid. No, but uh, you know they, they need to realize that, you know, you have voted for this governing body to be in place to govern you. Mm. And if they've set laws in place, they've set rules in place, you you have to follow them. You have right? to follow them. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you can't just pick and choose. Unless them. unless they go against your fundamental human rights. But yeah. they they're not. They're just saying that there's a virus going around, put your masks on. Mm. and you're trying to protest that it's my my body my right it's uh yeah i mean sometimes people are just you know they talk about they, they you know they just think about if this is going against my mm. you know whatever i think whatever mm. i believe in then forget it but if it's if it's for me if i if i like this idea mm. then yeah i will follow it mm. so it, you know you do get these kind of people mm. uh, as well um But you know that's uh, you know that's what's happening around mm. uh, you know around uh, I mean the the, the news uh, updates as well. Uh, you may be you know following the the World Cup. Uh, I mean the semi final, the first semi final game was yesterday. Mm. Argentina against Croatia, and uh, I mean if you if anyone saw the match, I mean undis- mm. undisputed go mm-hmm. undisputed go. Mm-hmm. I mean there's I mean I I am a big. I'm a big Real Madrid fan and mm. also a big CR7 fan. Mm. Um but you know I have to admit that Messi is the goat man. <laughs> Messi is the is the goat. <laughs> He's the best. Um and uh that's why you know that's why I I I I 
you know, I really, really, really do want Morocco to win today yeah. and beat France in the yeah. semi-final. And then I do also want them to win the World Cup as well. Um, Re- but realistically, it's but unlikely. But obviously, realistically, you know, it's like, unlikely. Uh, but it can happen. Uh, an underdog can still win. Mm. But I really, really do want Argentina to win. You know. Uh, when 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 the when final. was the last time they won? Have they ever won? They won. Maradona Maradona yeah. uh, won for well, them, isn't in it? In the nineties or something. I can't remember when. It, I can't remember the exact year, isn't it? Hmm. But uh, they did definitely. They have definitely won. Yeah, so uh, I think they won twice actually. Just Morocco winning would be. Morocco can. I mean, I'm not. That would be I mean, just, yeah, that they would can. Be crazy. That'd that would be really. That would make history. That I mean, yeah, that mm. would that that would be amazing because mm. they are the first African nation to yeah. get to the semi-finals. To get to the semi-finals. And uh, even to get to get to the quarterfinals was mm. a big achievement. Was, was a big achievement. Getting to the semi-finals mm. was absolutely amazing. If they win today, if they beat France today, mm. because look, they beat a Muslim country as well. You know, our thoughts and prayers do go out to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that is. The reason why I was mm. I'm actually you know mm. for them as well, yeah. um, but also it's uh, you know they they've beaten the big big giants mm. of the of um, of Europe. Mm. They beat Germany. Mm. They beat Spain. Mm. They beat uh, Belgium. I, I believe I believe they beat Belgium. Yeah. I'm not sure, but they definitely beat Spain. They mm. definitely beat Belgium. Mm. Uh, sorry, they definitely beat Germany. Mm. And uh, they, they, I mean, they, you know, they're absolutely amazing. Mm. And if they, if they, if they win against France as well, France are the the current champions, isn't it? Yeah. And they won last time. Mm. Uh, so if they do win today, that would be a massive um, achievement as well. Mm. And hats off to them as well if they do win. Even if they don't win, mm. but they have still put up a very good fight Definitely. throughout the World Cup. Mm. And uh, amazing, amazing play by all of them, mm. especially their goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, two penalties. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And uh, like yeah. you know, one of them, it wasn't even going in the direction he was gonna go into. So he had to go changes, one way and changes. change his direction. Yeah. Bro, hats yeah. off. Yeah, props, hats off to props, 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 literally, yeah. props, props to them, props to them, mm. and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. So uh, if they do win today, then then you know, very mm. good. If they don't win, still, still very good still achievement amazing. as well. But uh, you know, I still, I still mm. want you want Argentina uh, to win just because of Messi. Just. <laughs> Just win it once and f- is, forget. Is this his last World Cup as well? That's his last World Cup, isn't it? Mm. That's uh, that's practically why. Mm. Um, that's why I want him to. That's why I want him to win as well. Because you know, people say, people say that you know, oh, he can't be, he can't be the go, he can't be the greatest of all time mm. because he hasn't won the, won, the won the World Cup. I mean, it's just, it's just to sort of bit them quiet. <laughs> to if, if if they win the World Cup, mm. then that would just end the debate. Or a final before. between Argentina and Morocco. That would be good. That would be amazing. That would be that would be juicy. Yeah. That would be juicy. Who would uh, you support then? I'll still support Argentina just because <laughs> I'm Messi. <laughs> no, 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 let's see. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> let's see. Any let's see. any other year? Morocco. Mm. But let's see. I mean, see. It, no, it, it would be interesting. Morocco, you know, maybe their only chance. But you know, they're, they're mean, definitely up and coming. The team is really good. The team is really let's good see. as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, you never know. Let's see know, what happens in four years' time. Let's see what happens. What happens in four years? In four years' time as well. Mm. But the good thing about the the next World Cup mm. is that um, it's going to happen in Canada, America, and uh, Mexico joint. So it will be the first time that the World Cup is going to be in three countries. Mm. It has been in two countries before. It's going to be like on the border. It's going to. I mean, it's, it can't be on the border because mm. from Canada to all the way uh, um, Mexico, mm. that's 
you have to go through America, yeah. isn't it? American Mexico uh, Mexico they share a border. They share the bo- yeah. border as well, but yeah, they do and share the border, but only the s- southern border, isn't it? Mm. Um, and Mexico is quite small of a country mm. compared to America, compared to Canada as mm. well. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, I've seen the map where the stadiums are going to be is quite mm. scattered. Okay. So it's just going to be like a Northern American. Um, I don't mm. know if Mexico is in Northern America, but still, mm. uh, it's in it's in the middle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's above the equator, mm. but uh, it's still uh, still. Um, what, what I was going to mention is that that World Cup, there's going to be uh, more teams. Normally, there's 32 teams. I believe in that one, it's going to be 38 teams. So there's going to be more matches. Um, uh, so you know, it'll be it'll be a longer World Cup as well. So mm. that means more teams can actually come in mm. and participate as well. Maybe so Pakistan it, might come. In. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, but if they do come, then yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Let's. Uh. You know. Let's see. They mm. first. I mean, with a, a nation of like two hundred twenty-two, two hundred twenty odd million people, mm. there's bound to be about to be about eleven guys. Eleven who guys. Kick who can, who can ball, right? <laughs> but let's see. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Um. So we're going to be the the, the news. The news is looming uh, at the moment. We're going to be taking a break for for the news. And uh, straight after, straight after the news, when we get back, uh, we're going to be jumping on to our segment, um, uh, which is you know going to be quite uh, quite interesting as well. Um, but obviously, you know, the two segments that we're going to be talking about uh, in uh, today: how was the universe made, and also, uh, I mean, it's talking about scientists: are they right or are they wrong? It's going to be quite uh, quite interesting as well. Um, the other topic that we're going to be speaking about is why do companies get involved in social in social issues as well? So some interesting topics uh, which we are going to be speaking about. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. The news is looming, so we'll be back after just a bit. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you for now. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was known for his great governance. He would often patrol the streets at night to ensure nobody was left suffering unduly. On one occasion, he was walking in the dark and he heard some children crying. Attracted by the sound, He went to the tent from which it came. Whenever he got to the tent, he saw a woman sitting before a fire. It appeared the woman was cooking something while her small children sat crying nearby. It was late for the children to have their meal. Umar, radiallahu anhu, stepped up to the woman and inquired, What is in the pot on the fire? She explained that she had no food to give the children, and had placed a pot full of water and stones on the fire in order to give them the impression that the food would be ready. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was distressed to hear this. He hurried back to the state store, picked up a bag of flour, meat, cooking oil, and some dates, and rushed back to the tent. His servant begged him to let him carry the load, but he refused, saying, it is my responsibility 
you will not carry my burden on the day of judgment. Arriving at the tent, he delivered the provisions to the woman and told her to prepare the meal. In the meantime, the children, so exhausted, had fallen asleep. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, waited until the meal was fully prepared and the children were awakened and fed. The woman thanked him for his kindness and by way of expressing gratitude said, it would be far better if you were the Khalifa of the Muslims rather than that Umar, who is not aware of the condition of his people. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, said, well, mother, Umar may not be so bad after all. Now, one thing that stands out about Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu, and Hazur has spoken about this, he, he mentions his incidences of generosity and compassion and, and love for the brothers and sisters of, of Islam, where the Muslims in Medina were again suffering from a famine and, and, and a drought. Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu, he, at this time, he is returning from a business trip and he has so many different goods with him. And the, and the, and the merchants and the businessmen of, of Medina approach him at that time and they say to him, Look, at this time, we can all get together. We can happily, easily boycott all of the residents of Medina. We can bump up the prices of our goods and we can make a huge profit because these people are desperate. They have no choice but to buy from us. Hazrat Usman, when he heard this, all of the goods that he had initially planned to sell to the people of Medina, he distributed them amongst all of the people, free of cost, without any recompense from anybody else. Now this was his generosity and his compassion for the people living there at that time. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, Islam expounds the most excellent doctrine that in the interim period after death, Every soul is vested with a sort of body which is essential for perception of pleasure and torment. We cannot accurately describe as to what substance that body is made of. As far as this mortal body is concerned, however, it ceases to exist. Moreover, it is never observed by anyone that the same corporal body is revived in the grave. On the contrary, this body is often cremated and many a time corpses are also preserved in museums or kept otherwise out of the grave for long periods. If it were the same body which were to be revived, it was very likely that people would have observed this happening. Nonetheless, the revival of the dead is very much evident from the study of the Holy Quran. Hence one is compelled to believe that the dead are revived in such forms as we cannot see. Most likely, that spiritual body is composed of some highly refined constituents of this material body. The soul having been thus provided with the body, human perceptions are reinstated. Because this new body is far more rarefied and ethereal in nature, a much wider avenue of visions and revelation is laid open to it. Writings of the Promised Messiah I call to Allah to witness that the Holy Qur'an is a rare pearl. Its outside is light, and its inside is light, and its above is light, and its below is light. And there is light in every word of it, 
It is a spiritual garden whose clustered fruits are within easy reach and through which streams flow. Every fruit of good fortune is found in it and every torch is lit from it. Its light has penetrated to my heart and I could not have acquired it by any other means. And Allah is my witness that if there had been no Qur'an, I would have found no delight in life. I find it that its beauty exceeds that of a hundred thousand Josephs. I incline towards it with a great inclination and drink it into my heart. It has nurtured me as an embryo is nurtured and it has a wonderful effect on my heart. Myself is lost in its beauty. It has been disclosed to me in a vision that the garden of holiness is irrigated by the water of the Holy Qur'an, which is a surging ocean of the water of life. He who drinks from it comes to life. Indeed, he brings others to life. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. You know, talking about the talking about the universe and how it was uh, created. The most uh, the most evidence. Uh, based theory on the origin of the universe is based on the theory of the of the Big Bang, you know, the Big Bang theory. Most people have actually come into the conclusion, or are actually at the conclusion that this is how uh, this is how it happened. And the, the, the theory is actually based on the fact that uh, galaxies seem to be moving away from us uh, at a greater and greater speed in all directions. That's what sort of, you know, one of the things which the Big Bang Theory actually suggests as well that it happened. There was a Big Bang and then slowly, slowly, gradually, gradually, um, you know, everything, all the galaxies are getting further and further away as well. The Big Bang Theory 
was actually proposed uh, by a scientist known as George Lemaitre L- L- in 1920s. And this theory was then further expounded by uh, by Edwin Hubble's uh, observation that the galaxies are actually moving away from us in all in all uh, directions. In addition to this, in the 1960s, discovery of cosmic microwave radiation uh, by other scientists, um, uh, Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson, further added to this theory as well. Now, uh, you know, this this theory is something which uh, which us as uh, as Muslims also also believe in also believe in as well. The Big Bang theory, we believe that I mean, Allah the Almighty has said that. You know, he he created everything uh, in this uh, particular in this particular manner in this particular uh, way as well. Mm. Um, the Holy Quran mentions uh, mentions uh, about this as well. Uh, also, so it is uh, it is something which is uh, you know we're very much supported, mm. very much supported by the by the Muslims and especially the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Yeah. Um, because of course the way that the Holy Quran is revealed it's not a book of science mm. but it does still tell us about some things mm. uh, you know some things which we didn't even know about definitely uh, even at, at this time we don't even know about those things properly properly as well mm. there is this book which was written by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Mirza Tahir Ahmad may Allah have mercy on his soul mm. revelation of rationality uh, dreams and truth, knowledge and truth. No, knowledge and truth. Yes, uh, thank you for correcting me. It's uh, that is you know it's it's a wonderful book. It's mm. quite a lengthy. It's quite a quite a thick book, mm. but it's uh, it's got a lot of answers to a lot of scientific questions as well. Mm. And uh, talking about the Big Bang theory, talking about other theories uh, which are related to other things, um, it has got it has got pieces on that. Um, uh, to actually, you know, to, to actually go in there and read um, what you know what what Islam's take on all of these things actually are as well. Hmm. So it is quite uh, it is quite interesting. Someone is interested. There is a whole chapter they can actually read about this and in other literature uh, as well of the com- of the of the community. Hmm. Hmm. So in in regards to this, the early Muslims that took this quest for knowledge extremely seriously. Hmm. You know, uh, barely a hundred um, years after the death of the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, they mm. had made it their priority to master the sciences. Yeah. They translated the entirety of the known knowledge into the Arabic language, and you know, furthermore, founding institutes of uh, advanced study such as Betul um, Hikmas acquired an authority uh, in the sciences over the next three hundred fifty years. Yeah. And, you know, in these 350 years, Arabs, Turks, Afghans and Persian chemists, algebraists, clinicians, geographers, mathematicians, physicists and astronomers of the Commonwealth of Islam held the world stage of sciences. Right. Yeah. And in the Holy Quran, you know, which is believed to be, you, you know, the by the Muslims to be the word of God, it is written um, that uh, who provides sustenance for you from the heaven or the earth? Or who is it that has power over the ears and the eyes? And who brings forth the living from the dead and bring forth the dead from the living? Hmm. And who regulates all affairs? They will say, Allah. Then say, will you not seek his protection? Hmm. You know, this verse encourages those in search of truth for, to turn to Allah for an explanation of, na- of the nature of the universe and the nature of the creation of Allah. It is also mentioned in the Holy Quran that uh, and the heavens he has raised high 
and set up the balance so that you may not exceed the measure. Mm. So weigh all things with justice and fall not short of the measure. The Qur- Quranic verse, you know, uh, this Quranic verse um, with the findings of science that the universe is dependent on a series of law which rely upon balance and equilibrium. Mm. There's a you know there's a brief uh, there's a brief uh, audio audio clip uh, uh, as well um, that we that we can actually listen to mm. in regards to in regards to this as well. Let's uh, let's listen to that uh, right now. With on this, it's from Madia Ahmed. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Madia. Thank you for your question. Um, she enjoys the program. Well, thank you for that, Madia. And her question is: Is it possible for a religious believer to accept scientific theories about the origin of the universe? And of course, she refers to the Big Bang and uh, related theories. Dr. Zaitsev. Well, yes. Um, science, Islam, creation. I mean, these are all closely linked together because the Holy Quran is such a wonderful book in which there are many secrets that Allah has embedded and man is only beginning to discover some of those secrets and the foundations foundations for that. Uh, but this is unique to the Holy Quran because um, the other scriptures do not uh, mention that or whether they mention that then there are con- in conflict to scientific uh, research. Just look at the uh, case of uh, Galileo, for instance, when he put forward his uh, theories of heliocentrism. Uh, the, the church uh, banned his uh, works and put him under, under house arrest because it went against the, um, what the Bible was saying about the earth being fixed in, in one place. But however, when we look at the uh, Holy Quran, we, we have a totally different, different picture. And uh, we, as we know that in early Islam, the golden period, Muslim scientists, obviously, they were inspired by this foundation from the Holy Quran and the legacy that they have left behind, obviously, to this day, is the foundation for scientific advancement and research and understanding of the origin uh, of the universe. There's a verse of the Holy Quran that I would just like to give you the uh, um, translation of, and this, in fact, was the acceptance of our Professor Abdul Salam, the greatest Muslim scientist, used this in his acceptance speech when he was awarded the Nobel Prize. And it says, Allah says, who has created seven heavens in harmony. No incongruity canst thou see in the creation of the gracious God. Then look again, seest thou any flaw? I look again, and yet again, thy sight will only turn unto thee confused and fatigued. And Professor Abdul Salam, who obviously understood both the scientific mode, model and religion, was, was, was flabbergasted and said that this is why scientists continue to research and go on, because this is the creation of Allah, and this is what we scientists marvel at. So that was, you know, that that was a brief audio clip which actually talked about uh, mm. t- talked about that as well. I mean, we alluded to it a little bit, we spoke yeah. a little bit about that before. So you know, as swiftly, well. you know, just wrapping up this topic, uh, yeah. moving swiftly on to our next segment. Why do companies get involved in social issues? So mm. Daryl Brewster is uh, recounting a discussion about children's nutrition and safe use of ingredients at a board meeting of the U.S. food giant Nabisco. Mm. It was back in 2004, and as president, he was trying to make the biscuits and other products healthier. 
However, one of the directors wanted him to keep the company focused uh, solely on making biscuits right. and making money for shareholders. Ultimately, changes were made, including the removal of trans fatty acids and the introduction of more transparent labeling. In the near two decades since, the nature of business leadership has changed and companies are increasingly speaking out on social media and political issues from nutrition to climate change and diversity. Yes, making money is not the opportunity anymore, mm. says Mr. Brewster, who now uh, runs chief executive for Corporate Purpose, which helps many of the world's biggest companies craft their messages on these issues. Companies need to think through social issues that are relevant to them, how they're going to respond and maybe even take action before these become major issues. Companies realize that to increase profits over time, they need to be good to the citizens of the world. So, mm. you know, I'm delighted to say we do have our uh, first guest of the morning in regards to this topic online with us today. Yes, we've got our guest. Uh, 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 um, apologies uh, uh, before I actually pronounce your name as well. Ifigenia Paziana. Uh, thank you yeah. so much for, for joining us, uh, who's an award-winning entrepreneur and is about to launch an innovative product that actually benefits people who choose to dress modestly. Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining for joining us. Peace be upon you and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm ex- super excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for being with us once again. To begin, um, could you please tell us about your role in, in Hustle? Yes, so um, I am actually the founder and owner of a fashion house. Um, in Milan, Italy, and it's called Fee Milano. And under this brand, I've spent about a year and a half developing a what is now a trademarked smart fabric. Mm. And this smart fabric is called Violet. It's 100% natural, and what it does is it acts like a filter between your skin and the sun. So any uh, clothing made from this fabric will protect you from burning, while at the same time, what it does is it controls the amount of UV filters it from from the sun and allows this UV to, in a controlled manner, contact the skin. Once it has contacted your skin, it naturally allows your body to kick off its own process of producing vitamin D. Mm. Um, And so in its many iterations, uh, I have sent this to an independent lab and um, they have verified that it does exactly what it quote unquote says on the box. Um, and a, um, a line of clothing, what is clothing, um, amongst others, will be launching in the spring. So I'm really quite excited. Very, very, very interesting as well. Um, and it, it does sound quite exciting as well. What, what does this um, sort of, uh, talking a little bit further about this agency, what, what does it actually focus on as well? So my company is, um, it's a fashion house. So what it really focuses on is using technology um, as, as a way to be able to get freedom of choice. So vitamin D deficiency is a global problem. It transcends age, transcends gender, transcends race. And fashion as it, at its core is a way for people to express themselves who they are and in some cases give people a glimpse into their own values. So a fabric that will allow you to dress in a way that makes you feel at your best, expresses your core values, while at the same time, aids in the health of your body is the core of what I have been trying to build in this company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So c- talking about uh, talking about uh, your sort of uh, business leadership, can you, can you tell us a little bit more about how the, how the nature of business, business leadership uh, is actually changing over, over, over time? Across sure, the absolutely. Absolutely. So I think this depends and it begins with a brand's mission. Why do you as a brand exist? 
and to what extent would you like to be involved in the everyday of people's lives? And I think there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum where there are brands that would like to stay a bit more neutral and there are other brands that would like to be a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, one ever interesting example is let's, let's, it's Patagonia. Um, they focus on climate change, which is an important issue that affects us all, whether or not um, we actively are, are engaging in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I think as people think about their brands, it's, it's more about to what extent do they want to be involved and how much of their brand do they want to be reflected in people's values? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, h- how is this linked with uh, you know you know to companies increasingly you know speaking about or out on social and political issues? So, I, my opinion is, I think, and from consumer research, um, people want. Uh, brands to reflect the values back at them. Mm. They want their, their the, the consumer wants the brand to align with their own with their own values, and this is reflected in in what, what they choose to buy and what, what they don't choose to buy. Um, I don't really believe that price is sort of the driving factor as it used to be. You know, mm. maybe back in the day, I think the average consumer is increasingly paying closer attention to the values of consumer brands and how sustainable their products are and what their actual practices are and are they aligning to what the consumer really feels to be close to their heart and if if brands uh, choose to stay more neutral on this topic um, it's something that you know obviously it's a choice because some of the larger companies they have more fiduciary con- um, responsibilities hmm. so maybe they have their shareholders they have to think about but as a small brand and speaking for myself my brand was launched to try to solve a very real problem and mm. to solve it in a very natural way and to solve it in a way that really speaks to my audience. So I think that in a way it's becoming inevitable and I think that if brands want to become more connected to the consumer, I think it's something that you know is, is like I said, inevitable and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, are there any advantages uh, advantages um, to companies speaking out on, on key topics or do, do they risk sort of uh, getting uh, getting boycotted? So, I, absolutely, but I think it has to be authentic. So, mm. you know, are you living the mission or are you being mission-driven, meaning are you reversing into the mission? Um, there's a term in that has been thrown around called woke washing, and this basically means companies are taking advantage of social issues to increase public appeal and therefore increase their revenues. Um, sort of a, an, an example would be that a brand, a brand might be publicly defending human rights, but at the same time uh, being accused of exploiting uh, human rights in their factories. So, um, you know, they have, it absolutely, I think, can have a great advantage if it's done properly and it's done authentically. Not every part of a brand that is needs to be focused on politics, but I think ultimately we all have a certain level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, companies, you know, going into and talking about these uh, these issues as well? Do you, I mean, you mentioned that you know it's it's not just about it's not just about the money as well. But mm-hmm. sometimes you think, do you th- think that companies really do want to get back to you know give back to the people, give back to the public, and not just care about their their revenues or how they're actually getting their 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 sort of products made, such as sweatshops uh-huh. and all of these things. 
I, I think they do. I think mm. in, in a in a core way, I absolutely do. I think because you know we can we can criticize social media because I believe a lot of people may use it irresponsibly. But in a way, with social media, this has brought the individual, whether it's somebody behind a camera at home or whether it's a brand trying to connect more the consumer, it yeah. has brought us all closer together. And it's not like a time ago where you could say Nike could pay for a campaign mm. and they could pay to show a certain message to the consumer and there was no other there was no other bridge so it was quite it was easier for them to portray for a larger company through that kind of marketing to portray a certain image now if you're not authentic the customer sees that and even if i think at some point um you know people obviously will suffer from that if it's not authentic their revenues will suffer but i think this really has Bird something in the on, on the on the on the side of the brand to say, look, I really can make a difference. I do have a direct look to the consumer. I can understand better in real time what they want, and I can make uh, changes accordingly. I think that's a very powerful thing. So I think that you know it's absolutely yes. Very very interesting uh, to get mm. your to to get your views as well. Um, anything that you would like to or would like to leave uh, with our with our listeners as well. I think um, the main thing is that, uh, you know, to, um, you know, for me as a small brand, as I'm trying to grow, um, you know, it's important, you know, this, this, this bridge that they have now that we have with social media and technology, it's important that, you know, that they feel like they have a voice. So mm. you as a listener, you have a voice. If you have a brand that you follow, if you have someone that you, that, that you really believe that they, that aligns with your core values. Uh, and this is something that I'm really trying to do. I want to hear from from people who are potentially going, whether they buy my products or not, hmm. it's important that I make a change in people's lives. And I think it's increasingly important that consumers understand that they do have a very powerful voice and they shouldn't be afraid to um, to say what they need to say out loud. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that was uh, you know uh, wonderful. And thank you so much for, 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 for joining us this uh, morning. Thank you and good luck. To your to your campaigning and to your work as well, uh, and uh, thank you once again. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Me too. Bye bye. So that was a very interesting um, uh, listening to listening to her as well, uh, talking about what you know what she's doing, mm. talking about uh, her you know her you know her business role as well, and how uh, sort of talking about the consumers as well, talking about. Um, you know the people that are actually going out there and buying these products as well. Mm. They do have a voice. They do have, you know, they you know they are entitled to their own opinions as well, mm. and they can also make a make a, make a difference, make a positive difference as well yeah. in the way they in the way they go about and um, p- purchase whatever they want to purchase and pur- or purchase from different companies. And uh, it's what what she was doing was that you know the, what she mentioned in the beginning is that she has actually made this um, uh, this sort of fabric or this which when you wear it you don't uh, you know it absorb it absorbs the the sun but you don't get sunburn which was actually quite interesting as well and it, that's actually you know I would actually maybe like to see that uh, maybe like to see that as well. Um, and you know, I'm sure that the, especially people from the from from the Southern Asian uh, background, um, if you know, if they if they wear if they wear that product, then it might be quite beneficial for them as well because they do have vitamin D deficiency, 
and that is also you know because they don't get exposed to that much uh, to that much sunlight and if you know if they do wear this uh, they wear this fabric or anything any clothes which are made from this fabric then they can actually benefit from it, from going outside actually absorbing that vitamin D from the sunlight directly and also at the same time not getting burnt so that was just one of the things uh, which she which she was doing as well she's actually um she's actually her, her first tiktok uh, went viral and has more than a million views and this was because uh, vitamin D deficiency as i just mentioned is an underreported problem for many especially muslim women who wear a hijab and face covering as well um or head covering as well now her breakdown uh, talking about talking about all of this is a uh, groundbreaking fabric which allows this um uh you know vitamin D absorption meaning that a potential benefit health outcome for millions of women around the world uh, as well especially the especially the the you know the women who actually cover their heads and dress modestly as well and that's actually how she how, or she's an entrepreneur in regards to this as well who is about to launch an innovative product that actually benefits people who choose to wear um who choose to dress more moderately and modest, modestly sorry uh, as well so it is quite uh, quite interesting uh, we would love to get you know get your thoughts uh, on this uh, particular on this particular topic as well as i mentioned before the number mm. to call in as always is 0208687 7878 uh, just to give a little bit more uh, information in regards to this, in 2004, uh, in 2004, I know you were mentioning, you were talking about this before as well. Mm. Uh, just to give a little bit more information, that uh, in 2004, Dow Brewster uh, discussed the importance of children's nutrition and the safe use of ingredients at a br- at a board meeting of the U.S. food giant uh, Nabisco, which was done to make you know the, as you as you mentioned before as well, make the biscuits as well as other products uh, healthier. However, one of the directors was uh, of the opinion that uh, the the focus should be you know uh, should be on making um, you know should be should be making biscuits and making money for shareholders as well. But obviously, you mm. know, they had their their own opinions uh, had their own opinions as well. Mm. Um, you know, r- you know, companies companies have their own have their own roles in terms of um, promoting you know good morals and you know mm. sort of di- this sort of genre as well. And this uh, this is something which companies actually do look into, and I also asked uh, our guest in terms of this as well mm. uh, that do you know do the companies actually care about uh, when they say they care about their consumers when they say they care about you know the the actual the way that the product is being made? Um, it is true that you know some you know some some companies do some big big giants do actually care about the consumers as well. It's not just about it's not just about how we can make the most amount of money. Mm. Now companies play a huge role in promoting good morals and bringing light to to issues as well. This also mm. meant that companies can positively influence these conversations. Yeah, and this is also. Um, this also has uh, has uh, public support as well. Mm. It can be seen through the fact that uh, um, you know uh, you know there was a trust uh, barometer surveyed more than thirty six thousand people in twenty eight different countries, and gave biz- uh, and gave business a significantly higher score than mm. than either governments or the media on this particular issue as well. Companies came just one point behind non-governmental organizations. However, even if a, corp- if even a company 
wants to be vocal uh, on a particular issue, uh, on a particular issue, it might not always be wise to do so. And this is also supported by Paul uh, Argenti, who is a professor of corporate communications at uh, Dartmouth University in the US. Mm. They stated that sometimes it's best just to say absolutely nothing, you cannot win. But, you know, some people have different opinions as well um in you know in 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 terms of uh, in terms of this as well um so there are there are you know as i mentioned before there are two ends of the spectrum as well some people would actually some companies would actually want to give back to the give back to the public give back to the people there are some companies who actually don't care about the people and don't care about how their products are being are being made as well um so this is also why the public have their own voice. They can, they can also make a huge difference. They can raise awareness. They can talk to people. They can actually um, speak to companies, speak to um, these industries as well. And there are, you know, different people who are doing their own thing as well, such as, you know, Ifigenia, who we just spoke to our guest, mm. um, doing doing her own thing as well. She's an entrepreneur, and uh, she's actually an award-winning winning entrepreneur as well, which mm. was. You know, got famous on uh, on uh, on on uh, social media, and of course, doing her own thing as well, which is you know helping millions of women mm. uh, around around the world. So it, it is a good thing as well that the public do have their own um, thing to say, and they they can have uh, they can shape mm. the way that uh, the industry is also run as well. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on this? Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. Um, uh, we're going to be taking a very a very short break, and right after that, we'll get into talk a little bit more uh, about this uh, about this particular topic uh, uh, as well. You're listening to Voice of Islam online, on mobile, and on DAB. <laughs> Allah has decreed Most surely I will prevail I and my messengers Verily, Allah is powerful, mighty. The Arabic expression Al-Aziz means the mighty, one who is dominant but cannot be dominated, one who is powerful and superior over all else. Al-Aziz is that striking being who alone has the power to bestow prophethood upon man and to guide mankind towards righteousness. It is this eminent attribute of Allah that has allowed great prophets of the past to succeed in their respective missions. The chief of all prophets, the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was undoubtedly the most cherished recipient of God's limitless favors. At the dawn of the victory of Mecca, 
the Muslims marched wholeheartedly. After being betrayed by their treaty-bound brothers, this was a day where the inhabitants of Mecca witnessed God's might. The reign of cruelty, which had caused the followers of Islam unimaginable agony, was brought to an abrupt end. The peaceful conquest of Mecca was made possible only through God and His might. Allah's might is widely experienced by all prophets of this world. The promised Messiah on whom be peace came at a time when people had become void of morality and were ruled by Mulvis and extremists who no one dared to oppose. The promised Messiah on whom be peace expressed that at the time of his claim, not many believed in him. In fact, he faced an onslaught of ignorance, hatred, and ridicule. The promised Messiah on whom be peace faced numerous fatwas and false court cases were made against him. In these moments, it seemed almost impossible that the promised Messiah on whom be peace and his godly mission would prevail. But it was the might, Al-Aziz, that silenced the jesters, created love where there had been hatred, and brought justice in times of unfairness. Al-Aziz stood like a mountain safeguarding the promised Messiah on whom be peace from all forms of harm. This was the might of the powerful God that enabled his devout servant to reign over his opponents and to once again radiate the ever-bright light of Islam upon the darkened world. Al-Aziz is the great altruistic God whose power is dominant over all others. His might is a magnificent sign of the truth of his prophets and their prevalence is evidence of his existence. This world would not be as it is without the mighty creator. It has been written and proven time and time again that he will prevail. How then can one deny his flourishing superiority? The life of Muhammad, peace be upon him. The last pilgrimage. Nine years after the Prophet migrated from Makkah to Medina, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went on a pilgrimage to Mecca. On the day of the pilgrimage, he received the revelation containing the famed verse of the Quran, which says, this day have I perfected your religion for you and completed my favor upon you and have chosen for you Islam as religion. Chapter 5 verse 4 This verse said in effect that the message which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had brought from God and which by word and deed he had been expounding all these years had been completed. Every part of this message was a blessing. The message now completed embodied the highest blessings which man could receive from God.
The message is epitomized in the name Al-Islam, which means submission. Submission was to be the religion of Muslims, the religion of mankind. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, recited this verse in the Valley of Muzdalifah, where the pilgrims had assembled. Returning from Muzdalifah, the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stopped at Mina. It was the eleventh day of the month of Zulhijjah. The Prophet stood before a large gathering of Muslims and delivered an address, famed in history as the farewell address of the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In the course of this address he said, O men, lend me an attentive ear, for I know not whether I will stand before you again in this valley and address you as I address you now. Your lives and your possessions have been made immune by God to attacks by one another until the day of judgment. God has appointed for every one a share in the inheritance. No will shall now be admitted which is prejudicial to the interests of a rightful heir. A child born in any house will be regarded as a child of the father in that house. Whoever contests the parentage of this child will be liable to punishment under the law of Islam. Anyone who attributes his birth to someone else's father or falsely claims someone to be his master, God, his angels and the whole of mankind will curse him. O men, you have some rights against your wives, but your wives also have some rights against you. Your right against them is that they should live chaste lives and not adopt ways which may bring disgrace to the husband in the sight of his people. If your wives do not live up to this, then you have the right to punish them. You can punish them after due inquiry has been made by a competent authority, and your right to punish has been established. Even so, punishment in such a case must not be very severe, but if your wives do no such thing, and their behavior is not such as would bring disgrace to their husbands, then your duty is to provide for them food and garments and shelter, according to your own standard of living. Remember, you must always treat your wives well. God has charged you with the duty of looking after them. Woman is weak and cannot protect her own rights. When you married, God appointed you the trustees of those rights. You brought your wives to your homes under the law of God. You must not, therefore, insult the trust which God has placed in your hands. O men, you still have in your possession some prisoners of war. I advise you, therefore, to feed them and to clothe them in the same way and style as you feed and clothe yourselves. If they do anything wrong which you are unable to forgive, then pass them on to someone else. They are part of God's creation. To give them pain or trouble can never be right. O men, what I say to you, you must hear and remember. All Muslims are as brethren to one another. All of you are equal. All men, all men, whatever nation or tribe they may belong to, and whatever station in life they may hold, are equal. While he was saying this, the Prophet, peace be upon him, raised his hands and joined the fingers of the one hand with the fingers of the other, and then said, Even as the fingers of the two hands are equal, so are human beings equal to one another. No one has any right, any superiority, to claim over another. You are as brothers. Proceeding, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, do you know what month this is? What territory we are in? What day of the year it is today? The Muslims said in reply they knew it was a sacred month, the sacred land, and the day of the Hajj. Then the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Even as this month is sacred, this land inviolate, and this day holy, 
so has God made the lives, property and honour of every man sacred. To take any man's life, or his property, or attack his honour, is as unjust and wrong as to violate the sacredness of this day, this month and this territory. What I command you today is not meant only for today, it is meant for all time. You are expected to remember it and to act upon it until you leave this world and go to the next to meet your Maker. In conclusion, he said, What I have said to you, you should communicate to the ends of the earth. Maybe those who have not heard me may benefit by it more than those who have heard. Siha Sitta, Tabari, Hisham, and Khamis. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned, that we were going to be speaking a little bit more about uh, about this mm. and what uh, Islam says in regards to in regards to this as well. So you know you were speaking earlier about um, the good morals in in these you know businesses as well. Yeah. So in regards to this, um, uh, in the current caliph of the Jamaat, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed may Allah be his helper, delivered a Friday sermon on second um, March twenty eighteen, focused focusing on excellent um, to excel in virtues, morals, yeah. and manners. Uh, he said on on one occasion, the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said. If you wish to find out whether you are doing something good or bad, you should turn towards your neighbours hmm. and see what opinion they have of, about you. Following this, the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to the leaders, Your high morals will manifest themselves when you will consider yourselves to be servants of the nation and when you will serve the public with all your capabilities and capacities. Thus the office bearers in our Jamaat should pay, also pay attention towards this matter. This also means that social issues should be attended to. Hmm. The Promised Messiah, the head, uh, you know, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, states, High morals can be, um, you know, gauged under two circumstances, in times of trials and tribulations and in times of success and prosperity. A person who demonstrates patience and endeavours to acquire the pleasure of Allah the exalted at times of trials and tribulations possesses high moral qualities. Furthermore, a person who demonstrates humility and establishes justice in times of success and governance can also be considered as one who possesses high moral qualities. Mm. Thus, both of these circumstances manifest themselves in all their glory in the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Commenting on insincere flattery and deceitful politeness while hearts are full of rancor, the Promised Messiah, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, states, This is not Islamic teaching, hmm. as these are not the true Islamic virtues. Instead, high virtue is that whatever you say, it should be heartfelt. If you are showing compassion, it should come from your heart. If you are showing any other emotion, it should also come from your heart. As God Almighty says, Verily Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred. This displays the importance of upholding justice. This can be done by commenting on social issues and allowing change to help rectify the issues. And in another verse, Allah the Almighty states, And let not those who possess wealth and plenty among you 
swear not to give aught to the kindred and to the needy and those who have left their homes in the cause of Allah. Let them forgive and forbear. Do not do you not desire that Allah should forgive you? And Allah is the most forgiving, merciful. This is the commandment for the believers to follow for all times. Despite the fact that it was Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, his daughter who was suffering, and the Prophet himself was grieving. Allah commanded not to withdraw your helping hand even at difficult time. Allah is most forgiving and you know, um, and Allah expects the same of his people. When in such circumstances the companion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, Allah be upon him, was warned, then in normal times such activities of helping others become even more important. Hmm. Financial contributions and sacrifices result in promotion of peace. You know, this is the true teaching hmm. of Islam, yeah. of uh, good uh, moral values and, you know, having proper manners. Not just, you know, not in businesses, not in, um, you know, not in circum uh, certain circumstances, but just in, just generally in everyday life. Absolutely. So we Absolutely. do have a brief audio clip uh, in regards to this as well that we'll be listening to right now. The Pro Vice Chancellor, Roehampton University, Dr. Peter Briggs, the Vice Chancellor, Southland College Professor M. Paul Opere. <coughs> All the distinguished guests. <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessing of Allah be on you all. <clears throat> I have been given 40 to 45 minutes to speak on this topic, so I will try to finish the subject in brief. The key issue of the world today is peace. <clears throat> the erosion of peace <clears throat> on the tip of everyone's tongue. Some attribute this to economic causes, others to so social issues, whether on an individual, national, or international level. Yet others point to political causes, whilst other attributes it to religious differences and as a consequence to the very concept of God. <clears throat> Time does not permit me to go into its various subdivisions and other causes, but if we examine this fairly, the primary cause is man's extreme selfishness and his neglect of the purpose of his creation. Be that as it may, I shall say a few words on the basis of the teachings of Islam and the Holy Quran. In turn, this perspective of true Islam is based on the direct guidance received from God Almighty by the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which he conveyed to us by means of which we have been shown the ways of establishing peace in the world. <clears throat> this is important because some people who call themselves Muslims do not have a proper understanding of Islam and are responsible for presenting such an image of Islam that it is not even remotely connected to true and fundamental teachings 
and the example set by the founder of Islam. <clears throat> the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, in pursuit of their personal and selfish vested interests, some so-called Muslim scholars or leaders have created this backward concept to grow amongst a group of ill-informed Muslims. Such people neither serve Islam nor mankind. As I have just said, that all the causes that disturb peace, be they major or minor, and whether they are manifest or hidden, and working underground, are attributable to man's growing selfishness and his forgetfulness of why he is here in this world. If one forgets the purpose of one's creation, one becomes selfish. In turn, this selfishness, uh, selfishness and conceit at different levels leads to usurping the rights of others. In other words, this is a satanic cycle and man is finding it increasingly difficult to find a way out, despite the fact that there is a desire to come out of it. There is no easy means out. Now we see what is the Islamic teaching about the purpose of man's creation and how man can achieve this. God Almighty says in the Holy Quran, and I have not created the jinn and the men, but that they may worship me. Chapter 51, verse 57. Therefore, it is the basic reality that if man recognizes God, peace will be established in the world. It should always be remembered that the lack of peace, whether at domestic or international levels, is caused by the unrest of the heart, and the unrest of the heart can be removed by the <coughs> purpose taught to us in the Holy Quran. That was His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, telling us, uh, you know, just, just briefly, uh, just to give you a little bit of a flavor about the teachings of Islam. So, you know, um, I'd just like to, you know, we're coming to a conclusion f- of today's show. So I'd just like to thank, you know, the uh, producers, um, Mehrish Dogger, Namudi Sahar, and uh, the researchers, Marjala and Safia, and obviously the technical department, uh, Tahir Ahmed, uh, with us. And, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure presenting here on The Voice of Islam with Brother Shajil Ahmed. Uh, so just for now, please do have a good morning. Take care. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. I call to Allah to witness that the Holy Quran is a rare pearl. Its outside is light, and its inside is light, and its above is light, and its below is light. And there is light in every word of it. It is a spiritual garden whose clustered fruits are within easy reach and through which streams flow. Every fruit of good fortune is found in it and every torch is lit from it. Its light has penetrated to my heart and I could not have acquired it by any other means. And Allah is my witness that if there had been no Qur'an, I would have found no delight in life. I find it that its beauty 
exceeds that of a hundred thousand Josephs. I incline towards it with a great inclination and drink it into my heart. It has nurtured me as an embryo is nurtured, and it has a wonderful effect on my heart. Myself is lost in its beauty. It has been disclosed to me in a vision that the garden of holiness is irrigated by the water of the Holy Quran, which is a surging ocean of the water of life. He who drinks from it comes to life. Indeed, he brings others to life. Who is the one who says to you?